Welcome to the podcast for Real Church. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at East Coweta High School in Sharpsburg. We invite you to join us for our energetic and passionate worship services. Check us out at realchurchcoweta.com or search for us on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. I'll tell you, today's message is going to be a little more serious than usual. Uh, it is. A lot of times what we do is we, we I kind of like to, you know, keep things a little bit lighthearted a little bit. You know, uh, our lives are already stressed out enough without you guys coming here and getting depressed and, you know, leaving. All right, well, let me go take on the week now that I'm all depressed. But uh, it'll be a little more, a little bit, a little more thought provoking today uh, than usual. Um, I want to talk to you guys today about a friend of mine. You know, this week I found out horrible news. Um, a friend of mine uh, found out uh, that he has brain cancer. Uh, a close friend of mine, found out he has brain cancer. And I don't know about you guys, but whenever I find out something like that, whenever I find out that something devastating has happened to someone else, I don't know about you guys, but the first thing I do is I begin to look inward uh, at my own life, my mortality. I look at myself and how I'm living, and I look at my family, and I look at my friends. And usually what happens with that is that happens lasts a couple of days, and then something goes on, and I kind of put that to the wayside. And then what I do is, is I go back to acting the same way I always have and taking advantage of or, or taking for granted the things that I always have taken for granted that God has given me. But it's really crazy because just um, from the time he was diagnosed, 17 days before, he was standing in front of a congregation leading a huge choir, a huge worship band. He was, he was active uh, he, he's gone on like 23 or 24 mission trips in a row. It may be 25 now. I don't know how many. This is a lot. All right, he takes them every year. He takes a group of about 70 or 80 people on a mission trip every year. He also does the food pantry at their, um, at their church. He takes care of all those things. He goes down and gets food, delivers food. Let me tell you something. This is a great person. All right, he's a great person. And he was sitting there leading a choir getting ready for Christmas. It was a Christmas cantata they were doing. He was, he was sitting there getting ready for Christmas. And he fell down the stairs in his house. And somehow, he has no idea how, he, he got back up the stairs and onto the couch. And his wife found him there. He had a cut head. But from that point until right now today, he couldn't walk. I have no idea how he got back on the couch, but he couldn't walk. He was having trouble swallowing. That subsided a little bit. His vision went away completely for a little bit, and then it, now it started to come back a little bit. He has stage four brain cancer. There's four stages, and he has stage four. That's what he has. Just, just a month ago, just a month ago, he was shopping for Christmas gifts for his grandkids. And now he's at a hospital getting ready to get transferred to another hospital because he has brain cancer. He's 65 years old. 65. Way too young. Way too young. And he's going to fight an incredible battle. And with God's help, I believe he's going to win that battle. But I tell you what, when you find out someone is going through that, especially someone you're close to, it really changes your perspective. James chapter 4, verse 14 says this. It says, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? 
Your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, then it's gone. One of the things I've had to get used to in driving from Sonoy is we live off Elders Mill Road. And when you drive off Elders Mill Road, there's a bunch of fields and there's water and streams and stuff. And I've had to get used to, if I leave out too early in the morning, there's always like this haze and this fog. And I drive, if I'm going to the gym, I'll get out early, go to the gym, and then I'll come back. And by the time I passed through, went to the gym and did my 15-minute workout. I'm just kidding. A little longer, 30. Anyway, uh, uh, and then I drive back. The fog's gone. The scripture says in James, it says, listen, how do you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a while, and then it's gone. Here, here's the thing I want you to get to see. The verse right before that, James is saying this. He's saying, listen, you're making plans for your life. You're saying, hey, tomorrow I'll go do this, and next week I'll go do that, and then I'll do this and do that. But let me tell you something. The verse after that says, your life is like a morning fog. It's here for a little while, and then it's gone. Psalms chapter, uh, verse, uh, ch- uh, Psalms 90, chapter, uh, verse 12, chapter 90, verse 12 says this. It says, teach us to realize the brevity, the shortness of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize how short life is so that we can grow in wisdom. You know, a lot of us take life for granted. A lot of us take life for granted. We assume that the situation that we're in today is going to be the same tomorrow and the next day and the next day. But here's the problem with that. You and I both know people that that hasn't been the case for. And eventually one day, that's not going to be the case for you. Something's going to happen in your life. Some event's going to happen. Something's going to pop up. And what you thought was going to be your norm is going to be switched and you're going to have a new normal. I want to encourage you to do three things today. The first one is this. I want you to recognize and I want you to appreciate the gifts that God has given you. Recognize and appreciate the gifts that God has given you. Listen, We live life on purpose, and one of the ways we do that is we recognize and appreciate the gifts that God has given us. We get so busy with our everyday stuff. We get so busy trying to live this life and trying to get ahead and get that next thing that oftentimes we don't recognize the gift that God has already given us. You know what my biggest struggle is right now? My biggest struggle is this stupid thing right here, this stupid thing right there. You know, that's my biggest struggle. That's right. You know what I do? I'm going to be, this is, this is Dr. Phil 101 up here, okay? You know what I do with this? I put this thing in front of my family. I do. I put it in front of my family. I put it in front of God a lot of times. A lot of times I put it in front of others. It's amazing to me because we've gotten into a situation. I don't know if your house is like this, but a lot of times what we do is in the evening time is we turn on the TV and we all sit together and we're all on our phones. That's what we do. Am I the only one? I know I'm not the only one because you guys are all liars because I know you do it too because I see you on Facebook posting. Hey, listen, it's amazing. At some point in our life, and I hope everybody can see this, this thumb on my thing is going to stop working. Because I do this all the time. I can't believe that the screen right there from me scrolling up, I can't believe that this doesn't have an indention in it or it's not cracked. That's what I do. 
I will guarantee you this. This is a guarantee, all right? Whenever I am on my deathbed, I will assure you that I will not yell out and say, honey, go get me my iPhone 12, or hopefully it's like 20, but I don't know how long we live. (laughs) Go get me my iPhone. I need to check in here at, you know, the hospice center or whatever. You know what I'm saying? I need to check in. You're not going to do that. You're not going to do that. You know what you're going to do? You're going to sit there and lay there or wherever you are, and you're going to wish that you had more time with the people that are surrounding you at that time. If all of us are honest, we would love to have one of these, but not to let it have us. But the truth is, is it does have us, and other things have us. Here's what I want you to understand. The kids that you have are a gift from God. The kids that you have are a gift from God. I don't know if you realize that or not. It's funny because even as I'm looking around right now, some of the people whose kids are grown are going, yeah, they sure are. And the kids who, people who still have kids in their house are going, okay, whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's just the truth. <laughs> All right, I'll realize that gets about 20 years from now. I don't know about you guys, but I blinked twice and my, my daughter was out of the house and my son's 14. All right, I blinked twice and that's what happened. And I think that means I'm getting old, but I'm not sure. But they are a gift from God. Hey, listen, that job you have is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Sometimes I hear people say, you know, I really hate my job. And I say, you hate your what? I hate my job. Your what? Your job. Your what? Your job. Your what? Your job. Oh, okay. There's a lot of people who would love to have the job that you have. There's a lot of people, I know them, they would love to have the position that you have. They would fight for that position. They would see it as an opportunity. They would see it as a blessing. As a matter of fact, the very job that you have right now, someone, someone, somewhere is praying that they get that job. They're petitioning God to get your exact job. It's a gift from God. I'm not saying you can't do better. I can't, I'm not saying you don't need to continue to try to strive to do better. Of course you do. You need to do the best you can do and let God provide whatever he's going to provide. But that job is a gift from God. Hey, the house you have is a gift from God. It's a gift from God, the house you have. The spouse that you have is a gift. Follow me. The spouse you have, all right, is a gift from God. It's so funny. A friend of mine, a friend of mine called me in the spring. And, and honestly, it was a little bit out of character for him, but he said, hey man, I'm fed up. And I was like, okay, what are you fed up about? He said, I'm just, I'm tired. I'm tired of whenever I get off work, I come in and there's, there's laundry in the, in, the, in the living room every single time. I'm the clean freak of the bunch. Neither one of my kids are, my wife's not. I'm just kind of sick of it. Okay, what else? Well, I'm, I'm tired of always having to buy things for my wife and kid and feeling like I never get anything. If I want something special, then I ha- it's like an act of Congress. But, but if they want something, then they just get it. And I'm tired of being the one that always has to take it, you know, uh, for the, take one for the team, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of the one, and he went on and on and on. And this went on for weeks. I was like, well, all right, man, well, you know, Here's some, you know, wine and cheese for your pity party. I mean, I didn't know what to say to him. I was like, well, man, you know, you got a great wife. Oh, I don't want to hear all that. And he didn't want to hear it. And he goes on and on telling me about that. He goes on and on telling me, hey, listen, you know, I I do this. And it's went on for a couple of weeks. 
He was even at the beach, and he sent me an email. He said, I'm sitting here on the beach, and I'm ticked off because of this and this and this and this and this. And it was all centered around his wife and his kids, every one of them. He asked me to talk to me one day, and he said, hey, I need to come to your house. He just doesn't do that. I mean, we hang out about every week, but he didn't come to my house usually. I don't get to go to his house. We usually meet at a restaurant somewhere. He came to my house. I said, okay, what's going on? He came in, and he said, my wife's got cancer. And he said, bawling, crying, and I have no idea what to do. And in that moment, you know what he told me? He said, all of those things that I've been complaining about, all of those things that bothered me, all of those things that got on my nerves, all of those things, they mean nothing. I hope, I hope that I can pick up my wife's clothes one more time off the floor. I hope that I can clean those dishes where I could see that she's eaten. I hope that I don't have to be here by myself. His whole attitude changed whenever he realized the brevity of life. That's why the scripture says, recognize how short life is so that you can grow in what? So that you can grow in wisdom. So that you can grow in wisdom. So you can understand what it is that God has blessed you with. So that you can understand and recognize the gifts that you have been given. You know, when you stop and take inventory of everything you have right now today, if you never got anything else, if all you have is what you have today, I think every one of us can admit we have been overwhelmingly like a huge flood of blessings that God's given us. That's what he's done for us. And we don't recognize those things. We have to be intentional about recognizing those things. We have to, listen, we have to be content and embrace today. We have to be content and embrace the day. The scripture says that we never know what tomorrow is going to bring. Some of us always play this game, and I do it too. When I get blank, then I'll be happy. When I get this job, when I get this job, then I'm going to be happy. When I get this house, when I get this house, then I'm going to be happy. When I get to this particular income level, all right? When I get to this particular income level, then I'm going to be happy. When I get to this certain level and status in life, then I'm going to be happy. When I can finally get out of debt, then I'm going to be happy. When I can finally lose the weight, then I'm going to be happy. And we go on and on and on and on. And we don't embrace today. We don't. And we're not content and we are constantly looking for something else. But the scripture says this. It says, why is it? Why is it? Why is it that you plan for tomorrow? You have no idea if you'll even be there. That's basically what James is saying. Why are you trying to do all these things for tomorrow? And you have no idea if you're even going to be there. I talked to a buddy of mine this week and he said this. Now listen, I'm all for, I'm all for saving I'm all for planning. I'm all for being financially wise. Listen, the more financially wise you are, the more you can bless other people. It's just, it's just the truth. I'm all for that. But he said something that really shook me about the friend that I told you about at the first. He said this. He said, you know, he said, I know his story and I know what he's been doing. He's been putting back and putting back and putting back and putting back for so long. And he's 65 now. And he's getting ready to retire now. And about the time he gets ready to retire, he finds out he has stage four cancer. 
and all of the worry he had about what he was going to have, all of the stuff that he has, all of those things mean absolutely nothing now. They mean absolutely nothing now. See, it's good to save. It's good to be financially wise. It's good. All those things are good to want to get ahead. Just like the thing I said before about your job. It's good to want to get ahead. But here's the thing I want you to understand. If all you do is focus on trying to get ahead and you're looking for that day to find your peace and your joy, you are missing out on life. You're missing out on life. And I am guilty as much as you are. We are not content people. We don't embrace today. It's funny, Proverbs 16, 9 says this. It says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. You can make all the plans you want. You can make all the plans you want, but it's the Lord that determines your steps. It's the Lord that determines your steps. I talked to my friend the other day whose wife had cancer. She's in full remission, by the way. She's doing fantastic. I talked to him the other day and I said, well, do you mind if I use you in a sermon? And he said, no. I said, I'm not going to say your name. I said, but, but do you mind if I use you? He said, no, I don't mind you doing it at all. And I said, so how's it going? He said, let me tell you how it's going. It's going exactly the same way that it went before. It's exactly the same way. All of those frustrations are still there, every one of them. But right now, I have a totally different perspective. I have a different perspective. That's the only, see, the people didn't change. I changed. We spend so much of our life trying to change everybody else when the truth of the matter is, if you'll just change yourself, everyone else usually follows suit. Everyone usually follows suit. If you will deal with the person in the mirror, the other people that you live with, the other people that are around you, most of the time, they will pick up on it and they will follow suit. You'll be amazed how that happens. We need to make sure that we're content and we're embracing today. We need to make sure we recognize the gifts and appreciate the gifts that God's given us. And we need to know that our greatest fulfillment in life comes from living on mission. Our greatest fulfillment in life comes from living on mission. What is living on mission? It doesn't mean that you quit your job, you take your kids out of school, and you move to Nairobi. That's not what it means. Not that at all. It may mean that for some of you guys. It doesn't mean that for me. I'm way too white and big, and yes, I'm not. I'm not going to Nairobi unless God sends me, and then I'll be ticked off, and then I'll go. But I'll be ticked off. All right, I'll be ticked off in Nairobi. But that's not what it means. Here's what it means. Living life on mission means this. Being exactly who you are, exactly who God created you to be, living your life in a real way, serving a real God, living your life in a real way, embracing what God's doing for you, take your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your resources, taking those things, and wherever you are in your life, be it at at a job in Coweta County or maybe up at the hospital or so on and so forth, traveling around, wherever that is, taking all of those gifts and talents and giving them over to God and let him use you for his glory in the people that you run into. That's what living on mission is all about. It means allowing God to work through us. It means being tuned in to the needs of others. You'll be amazed. Can I tell you something? When you, when you focus on your own needs, that leads to depression. I don't know if you knew it or not, 
But when you are constantly inward focused, that actually leads to depression. It's amazing how God created us, isn't it? He created us to be people. When we are tuned into other people's needs, He created us when we're tuned into other people's needs. He created us to then, at that point, have joy. Isn't it amazing? You would think that whenever we are buying our own self-stuff, whenever we are doing our own needs, you would think that would be the case when we would find joy. It's not. It's when we're looking at other people's needs that we find the truest satisfaction and the truest joy that we ever have. I want to show you a picture. I think we have this picture. A lot of you guys may know may know Lindsay. Lindsay's on the, uh, on, on the, on the right-hand side. That's Lindsay. Lindsay's actually been here and led worship a couple of times for us. That's Lindsay. I want to tell you a little story about Lindsay and the girl who's on her left. I met Rachel about five and a half years ago. Lindsay got her degree about four years ago. Lindsay got her degree, and she started cutting hair, all right? Um, she got her degree and started cutting hair with Rachel, okay? Now, when Lindsay met Rachel, Rachel... Uh, was uh, um, a big old mess. I don't know how else to say it. She was just a big old pile of mess. You know how it is? Um, She was at a point in her life where she wasn't happy. She wasn't content. She was miserable. And I'll never forget, I didn't go in to get my haircut. It's so funny. Let me tell you how Lindsay is. I called for a haircut appointment. I said, hey, I need to have a haircut appointment. She said, (laughs) for who? You? Okay. Give me 10 bucks and I'll just shave it. Uh, I said, no, smarty pants for Blake. And so I went in, and we, we got, I got Blake's haircut. And I remember first talking to her. She goes, hey, hey Pastor, you know, Pastor Barry, this is Rachel. And I started talking to Rachel. And I hung out you know, with Rachel and, and, and Lindsay for a little bit. Uh, and, and then I left. And, and then, but two weeks later, I, I was walking in uh, to church, and I saw Rachel on the very back row looking very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, way, you know how it is, very uncomfortable. She, but she came. She came, and she was there at church. I didn't see her again for a couple of months, and then she came again. All right, she came again. And every time I would go in to get, get my haircut, uh, I would see Lindsay and her. They were right beside each other. They were talking constantly. They were talk, constantly talking. Lindsay is absolutely sold out and in love with Jesus. She just is. She's not perfect. None of us are. But she loves Jesus. She's a worshiper. She loves God. And so she has those gifts and talents. She also has the gifts and talents that God had given her to be very social. And so that's what she would do with Rachel. It's amazing because once, about a year after she graduated uh, high school, and she was already working, about a year and a half after, they started attending a church, and the church was cut a little bit more to Rachel's style. And so Rachel went to the church, and Rachel loved the church. She went with Lindsay. She went with Lindsay and a couple other friends, and she loved the church. And she came back the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and the next Sunday, and on and on, and gave her life to Christ, and on and on. Can I tell you where Rachel is right now? Can I tell you what she's doing? She's still working with Lindsay. But a couple of weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, she got engaged. Now, she had dated people in the past, all right? And let me just say, they weren't the marrying type. I'll just leave it at that. She had dated people in the past. But the person she got engaged to was a believer and a follower of Jesus. I want you to get this. This is being on mission. Lindsay's on mission. Because, because she took the time to love on Rachel, 
Rachel, now, for generations, will have a foundation of Christ. For generations. For generation after generation after generation after generation. Not because some incredible preacher came and told some great message and great sermon. Not because the sky opened up and God came down and smacked her in the face and told her to follow him. Not because any of that. You know why it happened? Because Lindsay loved her enough. She loved her enough to love on her, accept her right where she was, and love her to the cross. And her whole life, Rachel's whole life is different now. It's all different. I see posts all the time about, and listen, neither one of those girls are perfect. They're just as screwed up as we are. But I see posts all the times now about how she loves worshiping God. She quotes scripture constantly. Hey, listen, the only thing she could have quoted five years ago is a, you know, a liquor commercial or whatever. I mean, she, she, she was, a, she was a, a mess. By her own saying, she was a mess. You guys, that is what living on mission is about. That's what living on mission is about. It means forgiving others who have wronged us. It means asking for forgiveness when maybe you've made a mistake. That's what living on mission is about. Living on mission is going throughout every day. You know, I always say this. Living on mission is loving others enough and asking for forgiveness and forgiving others enough so that you can walk down every aisle in Walmart and not have to turn back because someone you know or don't like is at the end of the other aisle. You ever had that happen? You're all lying. I know you have. Some of you guys are dodging me. I know you have. Preacher Mary, go the other way. He's going to invite us to church. He's going to ask us where we've been in three weeks. That's what living on mission looks like. Living on mission, living on mission is the greatest fulfillment that you'll have. It's not your job. It's not. Hey, listen, being a dad and a mom is great. Being a spouse is great. And listen, those are real close seconds. Those are real close seconds. But living on mission for God is the greatest fulfillment that you will have. Can I ask you guys a question as we close? I don't know about you, but whenever I hear about a friend of mine who's very sick, I always start thinking about my own self. And one of the things I think about is I think about my legacy. I think about, about what, pe- what are people going to say about me when I'm gone? What, what, is it, what is it that I am instilling into my kids, the people around me? What am I? What am I doing What am I doing on a daily basis? What legacy will I leave? I don't know if you guys know this or not, but every morning when you get up, and you don't see it, but you get a pen. You get a pen. You get this pen, and you have a decision to make. Are you going to write the story of your life, or is God going to write the story of your life that day? Who's going to get the pen? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? Because you will always do the best that you can do. But God can do things that will blow you away. What legacy are you leaving? A friend of mine once told me this. He said, hey, listen, man. Live in a way where people don't have to lie at your funeral. All right? Live in a way where people don't have to lie at your funeral. I don't know about you guys. 
But I want to leave a legacy where people say, listen, that guy had flaws. He thought he was funny, but he wasn't. He lost his hair at 21. But he loved him some Jesus, and he loved him some people. That's the legacy that I want to leave. That's the legacy I want to leave. That is exactly what James was talking about when he said, how do you know what life will bring tomorrow? Your life is like a fog. It's here, and then it's gone. Teach us to realize the shortness of life so that we'll be wise. I think that's the message that God would have for us. I think that's the message that God would want us to convey to other people. And that's the message that I want to convey to you today. Let's pray. God, so many times we fail miserably because we are not listening to your word. We're not listening to you call. We're not listening. What we do is, is we oftentimes go our own way. We, we, end up, we end up going our own way and not fully embracing the life that you're giving us. God, let us, let us realize how short our life is. Let us realize how valuable and valued our kids are. Lord, there are people right now all over the world that are praying, crying out and praying that they can have a kid. Yet a lot of us take ours for granted. There are single people all over the world that are praying that God will bring them a spouse, yet we take ours for granted. And we could go on and on about jobs and homes. God, let us stop realize the shortness of life and embrace the life that you're giving us now. Let us be people that put down our electronic devices and communicate and engage with those around us. That's the kind of people we want to be. God, let us be, let, let us be on mission. Let us identify the people that are around us and realize that those people are people that you have put in our path We don't have to go on a street corner and yell and scream for people to repent. We just need to love the people. If everyone would love the people around them, we would be amazed at how many people would come to Christ because of our hearts. Let us be those people. God, I just pray that you would do wonders here. Pray that you would work and move among us. And as you do, Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this message from Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or if you'd like to contact us at Real Church, please go to our website at www.realchurchcoweta.com and you'll find our contact information under the contact tab. We would like to have you join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at East Coweta High in Sharpsburg. Until next time, God bless you and take care.